Listen up or run for cover. Dropping knowledge from the people who have it to the people who need it. The, the, the real Bradley Bombs is dropping. What it is, Brad Lee back again with another episode of Dropping Bombs. Folks, today in the studio, I've got a real treat for you. I want to make sure all the people are listening close. Get ready to go ahead and hit that YouTube subscribe and like button and make sure you share this out with folks because if it doesn't hit your fancy guess what there's people that you know that'll appreciate it why because i got lance growlick here oh lance ceo of ion franchises kind of like the the perfect guest for entrepreneurs you've been big in the startup You've been franchise. You're a, you're you're into franchising. You consult franchises that grow into big ass massive names. Absolutely. TGI Fridays, Wingstop, Pink Box, Krispy Kremes. You've consulted like all of the well, not all of them, but over six hundred. I've run most of those as well. So you're a you're a damn good guest for my for my listeners. I I call them the bomb squad. It's basically a lot of different entrepreneurs. Could be doctors, lawyers, chiropractors, construction workers, landscapers restaurant tiers, hoteliers, a lot of different types and people that just are getting started in business. So I got a wide range of listeners and I know that you're going to be able to drop some serious value on them. It says here that you you started out in the family business on Wall Street. Absolutely. What does that mean? So I grew up in New York and uh, dad was on Wall Street. His company was the largest over-the-counter trading house on Wall Street. So, you know, at a young age, dad was an accountant first. And I said, you know, I think I'll be an accountant. And I thought to myself, maybe I'll just work on Wall Street for, with dad. And uh, and I did it throughout the summers in high school. And as I got out of college, I realized, you know, I don't know that I could sit in an office every day like this in the concrete jungle known as New York City for the rest of my life. Yeah. Sure, I can make a great living, but I could, um, I'm creative. I could figure out how to make money other other in other uh, arenas. So I uh, had an opportunity to head out west with a very close friend of the family that Decided he wanted to get into the restaurant franchising world with TGI Fridays. So uh, that's how my venture went from, my life went from New York and uh, packed up and headed west. So it was kind of just an accident. Pretty much. You know, uh, most people that are raised in New York don't leave New York. I mean, 99% of my friends or more are still in New York. You don't even sound like New Yorker. Well, if I had a beer, if I had a beer, that was my Boston, I guess, actually more than New York. But if I had a beer, yeah, my accent will come out. It comes out once in a while. Comes out. So, so in my mind, franchises are successful. Well, it, the ones that are because of systems, systems and procedures and processes and manuals and consistency. Absolutely. And I think they fail sometimes when they start out popular and or successful because of greed and or a lack of training. Absolutely. And you know what, <laughs> look, any great brand that becomes a franchise, when they were great, there was a system, there were procedures, there were standards. And you are a hundred percent correct because when sometimes bigger companies through acquisitions or maybe a founder is gone. The visionary is gone. We all know this in every industry, not just franchising and not just restaurants. The founder leaves and the vision changes. Maybe the core focus or purpose 
of the brand is dead now and gone because if it's a number cruncher running the brand, I have a lot of experience in those stories where I join a company and I get in there and I see the CFO essentially is running the company. There's nobody really that understands the operation. Why do customers come to us? What do they love about us? What is our secret sauce, so to speak? And at the end of the day, things change. The chicken that people used to love is no longer the chicken people love. It's now a frozen pre-cooked chicken. Why? Well, some bean counter figured out it was easier if we had pre-cooked chicken. And cheaper. it's cheaper. And it's, it's you know, no, no, one, no one's going to burn themselves or, or burn the chicken because it's pre-cooked and it's just better for us. But is that better for the customer? Is that better for the brand? People need to understand what is the essence of my brand? If you're a founder, you need to know that. That's where vision comes from. What is the essence of my brand? Why do people care? And if you don't know that, you're never going to be successful in the long run. Especially in the food business. Absolutely true. I'll, Absolutely. Give, you, I'll give you some examples. Taco Cabana started out, boom, long time ago. It came and went. I haven't seen it around. Maybe it's just out of business. Yeah. But Taco Cabana went in there first couple of weeks, man. The fruit, food was delicious. Started telling everybody, dude, you've been to Taco Cabana, you better go to Taco Cabana. A couple months went by, went in, not that great. Went in, not that great. Went in, this place is shit. And I literally said, dude, it seems like they lured us all with great quality, fresh ingredients. And then, and then <laughs> once everybody was hooked on it, they just switched it. Yep. Is that what happens? You know, I, I, there are definitely brands that do that. And some of them do not do it intentionally. Some brands don't take, they, don't they listen to their customer though? Well, and, and yes, that, that's the fail safe in all this. You have your customers and more importantly, if you have a, a great leadership team, even at the store level, and a great leadership team in the corporate office, so to speak, they should be the ones, the corporate office should be grilling those GMs to say, Brad, what's what's going on? Your sales have dropped or all these complaints. All, I see all these complaints on the chicken or this or that or whatever it might be. But sometimes they don't listen. Yeah. They just don't listen. Someone makes a decision and they think it's just better for them. And, you know, better for the corporation. They know better. How could the GM know better than me, the guy with the, with the MBA? You ever heard of Grimaldi's? Of course. Delicious pizza. Absolutely. Unbelievable pepperoni. One day, my wife and I are in there, and I'm eating the pizza, and I said, something's different. She said, I don't think anything's different. I said, they changed the pepperoni. She takes a piece of pepperoni. She tastes it. She goes, tastes the same to me. I said, this is different pepperoni. And 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 that's the main reason I went in there. Is the, their pizza was kick-ass. The yep. pre pepperoni, I don't know what, if they made it themselves or what it was, but the pepperoni was crispy and delicious, but it was just not the same pepperoni. She bet me it's the same pepperoni. Waitress walked by. I said, hey, did you change your pepperoni? She looked around both ways like this. <laughs> and she said, yeah, we just changed it. I, I can't believe you noticed. Dude, anybody is going to notice that you changed that damn pepperoni except my wife, and she doesn't eat pepperoni. So I've, I've a, I haven't been there since. Why? Over pepperoni. One change can kick you in the dick. Well, surveys have said that regarding restaurants, that people are going for so few reasons as far as the menu goes. 
you know, think of any restaurant that you love. And that was a perfect example. You just said it. You like the pizza, but it was specifically that pepperoni. And you couldn't get it anywhere. And when people come to town, Grimaldi's, you got to try Grimaldi's. Dude, it's the bomb. You got to try Grimaldi's. I've, I haven't, I mean, I guarantee you I've influenced a lot of people to eat there. Nothing. Yeah. Just yesterday, Dave's Barbecue. I go into Dave's Barbecue, right? It's all right to begin with, but they've got burnt ends yes. and burnt butts. Now, I know the difference between ends and butts. I'm a butt guy myself. <laughs> the, butt, the butts have this blackberry barbecue sauce. They're just better. So I, the waitress come. First of all, we wait 20 minutes. I'm like, is anyone coming? And Oh, yeah, she, she's bartending and taking care of us. And I'm like, well, it's improper staffing. But anyway, whatever. Exactly. So we wait politely. And I'm never rude at a restaurant. And I'm still, I still haven't been, mind you, but... She comes over. I said, I'll take the burnt butts. Um, and she said, uh, appetizer? Or she said, um, appetizer or dinner? I said, well, I just want a lot of them. I said, you know what? Just give me, just give me three of the appetizers. You know, burnt butts <laughs> with, the, with the little shoestring onion ring things. She said, okay. They bring out burnt ends. I said... Oh, I wanted burnt butts. She said, no, you ordered burnt ends. And I said, uh -oh. I said, no, I, I, I ordered burnt butts. I know the difference. Like the butts have the blackberry sauce. She goes, you ordered burnt ends. Oh boy. I said, ma'am, I pointed at the, at the menu. Get, go get the menu. She went and got the menu. I pointed right there. It says burnt butts. She said, you said burnt ends. Still went on, huh? I'm like, I'm like, okay, maybe I said burnt ends. I said, and I'll keep and pay for these, but I need three orders just like this of burnt butts. She said, we don't, we don't serve sides of burnt butts. Oh, and by the way, dude, I've eaten there a dozen times and ordered the burnt butts, exactly what they're sitting there on. So anyway, she sat there, began to argue me. I said, you know what? Let me get a check. I got a check. I walked out. I'll never go back there. Yep. It's customer service. How important is it? It's, what, it's what's called a moment of truth. And there's moments of truth that I teach to people in customer service training where, you know, look, the customer isn't always right, but the customer is always the customer. And do you want to get rid of somebody? What does the lifetime of a customer cost? Especially me. You know what? Every probably once at least a month, I ordered probably about $400 food to feed all the employees here. Exactly. Lifetime cost or value of, of one customer. By losing you, they lost how much annually? Probably eight. Let's be let's be conservative and say five G's. Yeah, amazing, amazing over that. Yeah. stupid. And because again, I'm keto mainly, and it's like I can eat the shit out of barbecue all day. Yep. And I feed the employees here every Friday called Free Lunch Friday. So it's about four or five hundred bucks. That's what the budget is. It's usually seven, eight hundred actually. Right. But but. That's why I said five to be conservative. It's usually more, but every probably third Friday I'm ordering. So do that a year, about five, six grand just to feed my, my team. And then I also go there cause sometimes it's the only thing around here. There's not much around here. So I shoot down there a lot. All she had to do is say, I'll right away, sir. So sorry. Coming up, coming right up. She wanted to fight me over, over whether I called them butts or ends. And dude, I know the difference. That's the stupidest thing. That's poor training. Yeah. And I'm going to get into some questions like, you know, the top reason people should buy a franchise. I want to pick your brain in case there's some Got people, it. you know, thinking about a franchise, 
But at the end of the day, if you are thinking about a franchise or perhaps want to franchise your business because it's successful and you think you can scale and duplicate it and franchise it out, you can call Lance. That's what you do now. After you've built them all, you're like basically semi-retired, but you're like, hey, dude, I'll I'll still help people. So that's Ion Consulting. Absolutely. So folks, just in case I didn't say it already, Ion Consulting, you can also follow them. You don't have an Insta. Oh, you have an Instagram. All Ion I- Franchising. All Ion Franchising. Yeah, I might give you a, a little bit of advice on building a brand online. No one's going to file follow Ion Franchising. They don't follow companies. People they follow, follow people. people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You should be. You should. You should be at Lance Growlick. With I change my name and add franchising to it. You should be Lance Growlick at you know Ion Franchising. Because like, you go look me up. I'm Brad Lee. I'm not Lightspeed. Right. I'm not Closer School. I don't even have those accounts because, I mean, I do have uh, an Instagram account, but I found, I tried pushing my my company account and it just wouldn't grow past like 5,000 people. I couldn't do it. And duly, I, duly noted. And I was pushing. <laughs> duly noted. Yeah. So like, dude, you want people to follow you and then they will know that you do that. But folks, listen, pay attention. If you guys are starting a franchise, this dude's one of the top experts. They, they hire him for big dollars to go in there and consult on how to do things right to grow a franchise. So if you're looking for a franchise or you have one and you're looking to scale it or even probably correct it, you went in and took franchises over and kind of corrected them. Absolutely. What's the worst one you've ever seen? <laughs> <laughs> there's there's been a lot of bad ones you know uh many many years ago you know fat burger right yeah uh, i i was brought into fat burger i love their fries big yeah. old steak fries big old steak fries but you know fat burger's got the the fat fries and the skinny fries so they they do both they will you know some people like uh one versus the other but fat burger back in the day they had some franchisees let's just say they selected that maybe should not have been franchisees so uh, we revamped the training programs and, and a lot of things regarding operations. But, you know, I'll never forget. I had a, a lady that was very bright. that was a franchisee, owned a, co- a couple of stores, and she was a professional, real professional career until she got into uh, owning multiple fat burgers. So, you, you know, you ask what was bad. Well, this was kind of symptomatic of everything within the brand where here's a smart lady. But when she said to me, look, you're, you're now running the company. I need you to take a look at my stores and tell me how to fix them. How do I get my sales up? And uh, I specifically found out what her schedule was. And I knew when she was not going to be there, according to the schedule she gave me. And I did a surprise visit to each of her locations, had a burger, experienced what I was experienced with the service and staff and what have you, observed everything. And then the next day is when I was due to meet her. So we met and she said, all right, so how, how are we going to fix this? It's marketing, right? It's this, it's that. So it's pretty simple. It's just plain old operations, consistency or lack thereof. Food tastes different at all of your locations. Fries came out cold at this location. Burger was undercooked at this location. Burger was overcooked at this location. Staff doesn't care at that location. It was a whole multitude of things. So at the end of the day, it's, it's all about consistency. It's just all about following the program. And that's really what franchising is. Look at the consistency at McDonald's. It might not be an outstanding burger. Some people might think so. I mean, I don't. Uh, they're proud of their burgers, I think. But at the end of the day, it's at least consistent. It is consistent. 
lot to be said for that. Old McDonald's. Did you see the movie The Founder? <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. Wanna, well, let's let's go draw a map on you know draw out our plan on a tennis court. You know what? What do you think the best burger joint franchise, like big scale franchise burger joint is? Uh, let's see the best burger. Well, In and Out is not a franchise. It isn't. In and Out is not a franchise. It's uh, corporate owned only. But In and Out is is fantastic for the value. Um, it is it is fantastic. Now I do love Shake Shack. Shake Shack is also not a franchise. Uh, my son, uh, full disclosure, my twenty one year old son is a trainer and goes around the country opening stores for Shake Shack. He started working for me when he was when he was ten. So nice. he's got a leg up, leg up. But uh, Shake Shack, I think, does a great job. Uh, In and Out is is great, but. Uh, yeah, I mean those are both corporate corporate stores. Um, well, then they don't count. They, they don't count. So you want you really want a franchise store? So I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, I have a couple I'm, in my portfolio, but uh, those two are still my favorite. Well, well, they're not franchises, so no. you, you can't count them. <laughs> you can hold me to it. Well, because based on consistency, you know, how do you get consistent in seven hundred stores around the country with yeah. all of those individuals, all of those different types of leadership, yeah. you know, teams? And so I'm wondering, like, burger-wise, what do you think the best I, burger joint is? I, I do like, I do like, uh, value is a big piece of it for me. Obviously, your price point. Uh, and I think Wendy's gives a great product. Oh, what, Wendy's. I think Wendy's, <laughs> Wendy's is a good one. Lance is getting paid by Uncle Dave. <laughs> Uncle Dave yeah, Thomas. I, I think Wendy's is great. Dude, Five Guys. Yeah. By far has the best burger going is that a franchise it is a franchise dude and by the way in and out's pretty good like that's a unique flavor i like their you know crispy little buns the way they do them but but five guys i i've been to five guys all over dude five guys is five guys no matter where yep. you go their fries are unbelievable their burgers are unbelievable i, I know them well they have good fries Five Guys as the number one burger joint, folks. If you guys are wondering, <laughs> if you haven't had a Five Guys burger and fry, you better go get Speaking one. Speaking of plugs, and I'm not getting, and, and I don't even own any. Why right. would somebody want to buy a franchise? Guy like me making good money here, there. I don't really need to, you know, to get into a business. But then again, why would I go get a franchise? Yeah. Well, you know, look, there are people that are not happy with their current job had a gentleman call me last year. I just got off the phone with him this morning before we get on, um, before I got on with you. And, uh, it was about a year and a half ago. He bought a franchise through me, called me and said, I'm looking at, looking at doing something. He was a corporate guy, 25 years at his job, same job, but he knew five years from now or then he wasn't gonna have a job anymore. Sales were going down. A lot of stuff was being farmed out overseas, you know, China, and he wasn't gonna have a job. So he wanted to protect himself and his family and that's a lot of people. For whatever reason, they want to leave their job. They want their own freedom. And that's a big part of why people become franchisees. Now, other people get involved in franchising. Hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. There are plenty of people that have called me because they've lost their jobs. They weren't intending to lose their job. But now they don't have a job. So now they're forced. They are looking. But how many people are hiring at the moment? So they're looking. And they might have considered a franchise a few years ago and thought, well, I'm gainfully employed and happy. Why would I bother with a franchise now? Well, now they don't have a job, so they go pull that part of the playbook out and say, you know what? It's a good time for me to investigate. I just found a, a great corporate guy that 
retired early before the pandemic of franchise. So there's a lot of corporate type folks, but then there's other people that want to, let's just say, improve where they are in life. Maybe they haven't made it to a level where they think they should have by this point in their life. And they've heard that franchising is the way to go. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions, Brad, about franchising. Because a lot of people that think to this day, well, I can never afford a franchise. I got to be a millionaire to own a franchise. Well, that's true for some franchises like McDonald's. But I have quite a few franchises under $150,000 where you can make multiple six figure six figures out of your house. Net. Net, absolutely. I have a franchise, $62,000. They probably sold 15 franchises just last month alone. And there's guys netting 400 to a million dollars a year net out of their house. Can you name them? Uh, well, I could tell you. It's called Schooly Mitchell. Schooly Mitchell? Schooly Mitchell. And if you're interested, by the way, my services are always free if you're searching for a franchise. So call me. I'll tell you all about Schooly Mitchell. And by the way, when you use me, you don't have to worry about doing Google searches, putting your email in and having 700 Hoping. brands call you yeah. and bombard your uh, either inbox or your, your cell phone. Yeah, because do- that was my next question is how do you know? Like, let's say, you know what? I, I do want a little bit of a franchise. I, I think it's, a, it's an easier way to go because someone already figured it out. All you have to do is follow the program. That's all it is. Hold, hold people responsible, train your people well, and deliver a consistent product, uh, you know, based off the original or whoever obviously has a successful location. So your risk isn't as big. That's exactly right. You know, if I'm going to put up 200 grand and start Bradley's hamburgers, well, shit, dude, that might or might not make it. But if I, you know, five guys, I'd rather have five guys and just do what they're doing. (laughs) That's exactly right. By the way, the reason I don't love five guys, I think it's a fantastic burger. It reminds me of that little tuna fish sandwich my mom gave me you know, when I was in elementary school and wrapped it up in foil really tight and I opened it up and it was all mashed up. That's what five guys reminds me of. Cause much. the foil, cause the wrappers? foil and yeah, but even when you're there, it doesn't look good. Dude. It tastes the, good though. It does I, taste I'll good. I'll get, when we get offline, I'll figure out why you're, you're not a five guy fan. No, I, I, I know the guys, I know the guy that took five guys across the country. You know, all five guys. No, I don't. Oh, <laughs> I know the franchise guy that took them across the country. I help with their, uh, current roster of brands as they I almost got their training thing where they made a big mistake now again you never know when you're doing successful when you're being success when you're successful you don't know that you could have been more successful yes but they could have if they would have just taken my but I wasn't in the in the brand you know I forget how many years ago eight years I almost got Burger King in this company uh for for our training I'll show you what we do later but I almost got Burger King, dude, when we just starting up and Burger King said, do you have any QSR experience? And I said, um, no. And they said, okay, thank you. And I'm like, you love that. well, what does it matter? Training is training. I, I wasn't selling them content. I was selling them the technology and they wanted me to have this QSR experience. And I'm like, dude, you know, we've got, we've got franchises like Gold's Gym. We've got, you know, various franchises using it but right. not but not any restaurants and she she's like Q, qsr experience you know brad all the inexperienced folks have that little checklist you know now we have on. but now we have villa restaurant group you ever heard of them yeah 
like uh, Villa Pizza. Villa Pizzas, yeah. Green Leaves. Yeah. Um, we've got uh, Porta Subs. That's awesome. You know, we're starting to crank it up. We've, I can't wait to look at it. We've got, um, what was it called? Um, he did Hooters and then he switched into Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I so, know Twin Peaks very well. Old day. Uh, Is it Joe? Joe at Twin Peaks. No. Joe. Uh, uh, I forget his name now. The founder. They yeah. wanted the ice cold beer. Founders aren't around very long, yeah. are they? They 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 sell out. They not sell out, but like they establish it, and then they're they're hands off. No, my my good buddy is uh, head of franchise development for Twin Peaks. And I also remember uh, with Burger King, like it was a little small company, really just a licensing company. I thought Burger King would be huge, and it's like no, nope, this was just a little office that, and that's corporate. Like that's Burger King. The franchises is, is is the big that you see, right? Is there any? Is there any? Uh, way to like get in early identify a winner to begin with like before burger king had a thousand so you could end up with a thousand franchise or locations yourself yeah there well part of it honestly and this isn't just a plug for me but this is reality um today because of technology you'll get lost online looking at franchises because as you certainly know as a marketer uh it's all about seo and and there are some successful brands that if you don't know what you're looking for it's just not going to pop up on Google. Like, yeah. what, what are people looking for? What are, what are they Googling? They're Googling, you know, best franchise opportunities. Well, there's 6,000 plus franchise opportunities. How many of the 6,000 are showing up in your top 10? Are any of them scams? Yeah. Um, no, no, no. Well, franchising is heavily regulated by the federal government. That's another thing. Why? Why so heavily regulated? It, you know, it's... It started in, I think it was the 70s, um, and it started because there were some problems. As I recall the story, there were some problems way back when with businesses making certain claims uh, or companies making certain claims saying, you know, you buy a franchise and this is potentially a result. Well, the government got a hold of that or the, you know, the Federal Trade Commission got a hold of that and said, you know, we can put together a document that is now called the Franchise Disclosure Document, the FDD. And there's 23 items to it. You know, what is the average build out? And this is, these aren't necessarily pro forma items. These are, this is history. This is truth. What did it cost to build that Wendy's? You know, it was X amount of dollars to what's the high side of it. So it gives people a range. It, it, there's also an earnings claim in there. <coughs> Within the earnings claim, it'll tell you either sales of a certain amount of franchisees or, so basically you can predict looking at a franchise disclosure document you can create your own business plan based on your market. And then you have the ability, and this kind of falls into what you were asking earlier, you know, well, why a franchise? There's a validation process to franchising or buying a franchise where, Brad, at the latter stages, if you decide you really want to buy XYZ franchise, one of the last steps when the corporation likes you a lot, you like them a lot, is, hey, Brad, by the way, here's a list of all of our franchisees. Why don't you call whoever you'd like and ask them whatever you'd like? And when you talk to those folks, are you going to see yourself in those people? Are these people you want to hang out with? Because you're going to be with them a lot in the future, not just the annual convention. These are people that are going to be part of your group that you're going to want to call and, and, and discuss best practices with. So at the end of the day, that validation stage becomes key. So uh, you can make a, a good determination as to, do I see myself in this franchise? Because with that disclosure document, they're not allowed to put in there things that, you know, when, you, when when independent owners are selling businesses, they can say whatever they want to say technically, but in franchising, you can't. 
It's got to be the truth. It's got to be the truth. And in the beginning of every FDD, it says nothing oral, verbal, or implied or otherwise should be taken as gospel. doesn't say that exactly. But you can't, you can't trust anything unless it's in this particular document known as, as the franchise disclosure document. So if I'm looking to buy a franchise, I want one of those or they're mandating. You, man, you have to receive one. And then you have a 14-day cooling off period where even if at that point you're ready to sign a franchise agreement, which is specific to your location and your, whether it's a multi-unit deal, single-unit deal, what have you, you cannot sign your franchise agreement for 14 days after the time that you've literally received that franchise disclosure document. What's the average ROI on a franchise? You know, it's it's kind of hard. It, well, it's very difficult to say because there isn't uh, one book uh, or Bible, if you will, that publishes any of that. Um, well, the franchise disclosure document would. Right, but they're filed with different states. Um, so, I, I mean, we can go brand by brand. Like I have brands that, well, let's back up. The item 19 or the earnings claim or sometimes called the financial representation section, they're not necessarily giving you a net. In some cases, they might disclose sales. For example, I have a very popular um, staffing company, Express Employment Professionals. It's been around a long time, 850 locations across, across the country. They say in their franchise disclosure document, which is also in their marketing materials, but there's a little star next to it because it's in their franchise disclosure document, that a mature office will do $6 million a year. Mature office. Mature office, I happen to know from them, is open five years or more. What's the profitability off that? Well, in the staffing business, could be 10%-ish. So you net 600000 a year in a mature office. So there is some real facts for you. Now, there are some people that are, like, if, I would imagine if you were an express franchisee, you will definitely hit the average and probably far exceed it because you're you. Same thing with me. Any franchise I've owned... I've been a top performer because that's just my nature. What about if I were to say I want to buy one right now and you were going to be my partner, I was going to give you half the money for selecting the one for me to buy. Would it be Schooley Martin? Schooley Mitchell? Schooley Mitchell. Well, I mean, that's a low cost, amazing franchise where virtually anybody can save 62000 And quite honestly, with SBA financing, you're talking 25, 30% down payment. Um, and almost anybody can save to become a Schoolie Mitchell franchisee if they choose to. Um, I would have to get back to you to think of the best one that I would get into. Um, I could tell you there's one that I'm looking at right now doing with a partner in Las Vegas that's called M3. Hmm. And M3, it's M3 Linked. And M3 Linked is for entrepreneurs um, and prior to the pandemic, they were incredibly hot with face-to-face -face meetings, not only professional business development uh, for entrepreneurs, but I mean, I'm not exaggerating. I went to attend a meeting at one of their franchisees um, meetings in, in Phoenix, and there were multiple billionaires there, a bunch of other gazillionaires, a lot of entrepreneurs that we're just starting out and a guy that got up and said, yeah, I just got out of jail and I heard this is the place to go if I want to start something. Hmm. So that's a business that I recognized as I was selling franchises for them and closed several deals for them. I got to be part of this because I'm an entrepreneur and there was not a group like that around for me. I'm three linked. I'm three linked. And there's a, I, I certainly, uh, I'm not able to say this, but there's a, 
pretty famous athlete that is becoming an M3 linked franchisee. Mm. And uh, so that's pretty exciting. I just heard about it. What if I have a business and I want it to be a franchise? Well, uh, I do that all day. I have a group that has been setting up franchises for years and I partner with them on that. They're the experts. And uh, it's not, you know, many years ago it was sixty dollars to $100,000 to set up a franchise system. My group does it for quite a bit less because the hope is that you like us enough and we establish a good re working relationship that we'll end up being your sales division because we would rather sell for you than overcharge you, if you will. We're not a law firm. We have lawyers, but we don't, we don't want to overcharge you because we want the long-term relationship. So of selling hundreds of thousands of, them. Of, of selling, not, not hundreds of thousands. I mean, some brands, you, you just can't fit that many, you know, I mean, Subway, you can put a, a lot McDonald's, you can put a lot, but uh, you know, some of these business services brands like M3 linked Vegas would be one franchisee. We're not talking 10. Is that more valuable so, when you have that limited? Well, I think territory is valuable. Territory is absolutely valuable. Um, you know, so like when I was a Wingstop franchisee, uh, I had the rights to Clark County. And uh, that that is very valuable. Multi-units, I mean, I have a, a family friend that owns uh, uh, Great Clips hair salons. And they have 19. They're working on number 20 right now. And that's valuable because... You know, a Great Clips, uh, if I go back to their FDD, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I would imagine it's somewhere around 60,000, 65,000, if I remember, is their net that I calculated talking to different people and looking at their FDD. And, you know, you have 20 hair salons netting even 60,000. It's pretty good, right? Well, yeah, that always makes me wonder, though, because like Great Clips, I've never seen a Great Clips ad. I, when I drive by Great Clips, I don't say, oh, I love that brand. Yeah. It's just a place to get a haircut. Why, why wouldn't I have Brad clips? Well, you could. Like, like you were alluding to earlier, anybody can start their own business. Yeah, so why would I buy the franchise? But there's, there's a risk. There's a risk and there's also knowledge. It's haircutting. But there are some people that have the risk tolerance. If you are cutting hair for a living now, or you chose to do it and you don't know anything about cutting hair, but you're a smart guy, you can certainly hire somebody that's used to cutting hair for a living and is passionate about that and hire them, you can absolutely do it on your own. But everything today seems to be about marketing because you, you take that risk by opening Brad's clips and you know, you're out positioned is what I call it in marketing. If you're surrounded by all these other hair salons or barbershops, as you know, there's a big trend in barbershops these days. I, I know what happened quite to that? a few of those. Well, you know, uh, people felt like, Possibly the great clips or the supercuts or the fabulous, uh, fantastic Sams of the world. Maybe they were appealing to the masses, but weren't necessarily focused enough, let's say, on guys, you know, specifically the men that want to get, you know, I the, just, the certain I, cut. I just started going to a barber shop. There you go. Before I'd only go to a salon. <laughs> hey, I grew up going to both, uh, literally both. Mom, mom went to the hoity-toity salon, and every once in a while, I got my hair cut there. Dad went to Tito's Barbershop, who, you know, still was cutting his hair until he passed a couple of months ago, sadly. Tito came to the house and gave him his last haircut, sadly, but I, I went to Tito as well, you know, so... What do you prefer? You know, I, I like Tito. I like going to Tito's because the same exact person was cutting my hair every time. Uh, at the salon, it was always a lady. Tito, I can be a guy. 
and we can talk about soccer and we can talk about what our favorite beers are and what we did last night and how's that girl you're dating, you know, when I was a kid and all these things. So Tito, you, you know, look, I never told anybody that story, but Tito was my man. That was a fun place to go. I'm preferring the barber shops. Absolutely. Absolutely true. But, you know, so to answer that comment though, further franchising is if you have a fantastic brand that has some semblance of success, you know, I have a now famous cheesesteak brand I set up for franchising based in Atlanta. And all he had was one location, but he's got hundreds of thousands of people on Instagram already following him with one location. That proved to me, and he had 7 million impressions. He showed me his, his back, back office, so to speak, whatever they call it on Instagram. I'm like, you got 7 million people looking at all your each post. What the heck? What are you, the Kardashians? And uh, selling cheesesteaks. So, of course, you can parlay that into a successful franchise venture. But then he pulled back and started opening corporate stores again because he's so successful. Do it himself, yeah, like, but, like in and out Well, why wouldn't you? And he's going to, but you get to still, that's the beauty of franchising also. While it's pretty rigorous and governed by the federal government, that control is good for franchisees. You can't be loosey-goosey with it. You can get in trouble. There have been greedy people that have been franchisors that maybe sold too many franchises too quickly and couldn't handle it. You know, you got to get shut down at some point if you're doing that and taking people's money and not, not producing and not being available, not giving them the support. But again, that's where the validation comes in. You can ask for other franchisees how they've been treated. Keep your eyes wide open when you go into any business transaction and figure it out. Well, how many have you sold? Well, wait a second. You have two people in the corporate office and you sold 150 franchises? Is that bad? Well, if you don't have the support, I'm in your office and I know you have an awful lot of support right here. But why do you need support? Well, the, Don't the, you have the manuals and everything? Well, let's, let's put it this way. You... you this is a perfect topic for franchising. The, the two biggest things that a franchisee would complain about if they're not doing well is support. Maybe they were, were trained properly or maybe they, they didn't think they were, but corporate will tell, show you the checklist that says, because you know in, in franchising, systems are all about checklists and protocols and whether it's online training that everybody's gone to today. Um, you know, have you completed the training? Well, Everybody, every brand keeps the data on Brad to say, he went through training on this day. He completed this training. We taught him how to take out the garbage. So he can't tell us he didn't, but yet there's still problems down the road. Well, what is the problem? Have you not gotten the support, meaning nobody's visited you to catch you doing things right or wrong? So support overall, not everybody comes out of the gate doing fantastic. They just don't. I opened my first wing stop in Las Vegas. I did five grand the first week, probably about the same the second week. Why'd you pick Wingstop? I picked Wingstop because it was a niche that I didn't think was overcrowded. There was Buffalo Wild Wings. There was several other brands, but Wingstop not only had the best wings, no doubt, but it was very focused on wings. <laughs> you say no doubt. There was no doubt. Wings no are doubt. wings pretty much, aren't they? No, it's the way they cooked them. Oh. I can tell you how Buffalo Wild Wings cooks them compared to Wingstop. But what about Capriotis? Capriotis I love. Capriotis is, as a matter of fact, the old head of franchise development for Wingstop is doing the same thing at Capriotis. Yeah, because Cap Capriotis is real proud of their brand. 
Capriati's has done an outstanding job. I mean, maybe they've made some mistakes over the years, like all brands have, but uh, I think Capriati's is a fantastic brand. I have several friends that are multi-unit franchisees of Capriati's. Uh, hey, look, the Bobby, the Capistrami, outstanding sandwiches. Uh, I think the Bobby won best sandwich in America one year. Really? Um, yeah, absolutely. It is pretty good. I like how they cook it right there, but the problem with the one across the street, they have a salad that I always order. It's like a chicken walnut, you know, salad. Extra walnuts? I usually do, yeah. Yeah, right yeah. but the problem with them is like sometimes the salad tastes delicious and sometimes the, the, the salad tastes like it's got stale walnuts or something. Yeah. And then sometimes they put blue cheese crumbles and sometimes they put like feta cheese crumbles. And it's like, I even called the guy because, because we go over there a lot and I'm like, dude, who's making these salads? Like, do, do you not have the same? <laughs> that consistency word again. <laughs> dude, it would sometimes come in a big container, sometimes come in a little container. It's like, what yeah. the hell is going on over there? And, and, you know, look, Capriati's, uh, I go to my friend's Capriati's, and they're fantastic. These guys are top operators. They're, so I don't ever experience that at Capriati's. But what you're talking about does happen with various brands. I mean, there's McDonald's franchises and McDonald's corporate. And I'm not saying what's better, but when you can tell the difference, there's a problem because it needs to be the same. So what you're talking about are certainly training issues. Uh, the restaurant industry is famous for having, you know, 150% turnover. And if you have that much turnover, it's it's getting the new folks up to speed quick enough that they don't make those mistakes. As you certainly know, if you have uh, feta cheese and blue cheese, there are some people working behind a counter that might not know the difference, even though they look a little different. What about Dairy Queen? What about? Is that a franchise? It, it is. Uh, not in my portfolio, but uh, I think they still franchise. Because there's one out in Boulder City. Mm -hmm. We come back from the lake, stop at Dairy Queen the, every time, have to, kids are in the back. That place is a shithole. <laughs> Dairy Queen hasn't, uh, I not, don't know. Not Dairy Queen, that, that Dairy, Dairy Queen. Queen. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we were sitting out there the other day eating our ice creams, and and my buddy looked, looked he goes, God, why don't they wash the windows? Yeah. Like, dude, the place is a shithole. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, because Warren Buffett owns Dairy Queen, doesn't he? He 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 did. I don't know if he still does, but he definitely did. Yeah, well, I'm thinking to myself in my head, if I owned this store, first of all, I'd wash the damn windows. Number yeah. two, if I owned Dairy Queen, I would remove this person's ability to own this store. Because here's the point I want to make, and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not mad at jerry winnaker who owns dairy queen 592 right i'm mad at dairy queen Absolutely. i say i talk shit about dairy queen i don't even know that and i made that name up jerry winnaker <laughs> i don't even know he owns it right all i know is dairy queen garbage shithole yeah when in reality that's unfair to the franchisor you're 100 right and again it comes down to consistency and that support and inspections every single franchise brand especially in the restaurant business at minimum, should be inspecting, doing surprise or or not even surprise inspections to audit the facility, to literally go in the kitchen, open the drawers, see what's in there, make sure everything's rotated, dated. How are they receiving their food or the temperatures? Just like a health department inspection, essentially. And in addition to that, from a curb appeal standpoint, does the building need to be painted? What have you? Every single Can they force you to do it? Absolutely. Every single franchise agreement ever written 
unless the attorney was new. Every single franchise agreement has something in it, especially for restaurants, regarding uh, sort of a refresh of the brand. Or let's just say that you're a new franchisee of a brand. You open January 1st and January 5th, the marketing department for that brand reveals a new logo. So there's something that would still be covered in the franchise agreement that says, even if you're brand new, you have to upgrade to the new signage or the new logo or the new materials by such and such date. Some brands will give you some money, especially if you were the new franchisee, they'll give you some money to expedite that process because they want everybody to look the same as quickly as possible. You know, In-N-Out Burger is one of the best brands I've ever seen again, it's not a franchise, at doing that refresh. Because in and out you ever notice that they have a maintenance team, their own vans, and they'll be painting the building, like a building that I thought looked brand new last time I visited it. And that's why. They keep it so fresh. It's like the guy that gets his hair cut every three weeks or so on the clock. Mm -hmm. So you can never tell that his hair ever got long. That's me. Exactly. I knew that was you. That's it. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Those are that that's how a building should be kept up. You shouldn't notice that the paint's starting to fade or the paint's starting to chip. And yes, in a franchise scenario, franchisors absolutely have the ability to make brands to enforce that and you know and keep and make brands keep up. So that Dairy Queen you mentioned about is is a bad reflection of Dairy Queen, for sure. How important do you think training is in a franchise? So it's the most important thing. Really? It is, it is the most important thing. And I'll tell you, one of my favorite things, uh, people have always asked me in any restaurant I ran, anywhere it was, especially Las Vegas, Vegas is a tough market. Where do you find people? How do you train these people? You know, Where do you get them? And at the end of the day, I, I like to find them, which is a whole other story. We might not have enough time to cover that today, but how I actually find them. I don't just rely on people to walk through my door. But here's the mistake most people make in any business, not just franchising, is that they hire people and they expect that no matter what, I'm going to take this person and make them my standard. And, and the reality is you have to hire the right individual in the first place. And that's what most people forget. It's like finding your wife or finding a husband or whatever it might be. You can't just, can, can you change your spouse too much? No, you can't change employees either depends. too much. Well, I guess it depends. Depends on <laughs> if you're willing to go to jail. Well, <laughs> in most cases, you're not going to be able to change them enough. So uh, training is the single most important thing, period. Whether it's a franchise or... That's a bomb. I like it. Whether it's a franchisor training a franchisee or a franchisee training uh, one of their employees. Well, what you don't want is your customers training your employees. No. And you, what you can't do, never train on your customers. <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. Well, yeah. the, a lot of people do that. They you do. Know, I walk in restaurant. Listen, that's the same cash register as every other cash register in the whole world. And this some bitch is sitting here waiting three minutes to find the no onions button. It's like, are you serious, dude? Absolutely. Can, can like, put, I'll take the onions off. Like it's, you know, yep. like, dude, it's the same cash register as every other one in this person. And you got to think like 
they they hire you and then train you using customers. Never do that. Can't, can never do that. So training to answer your question is the single most important thing. And that's where people, that's where people fail. Do franchisors know that? Absolutely. The best ones do. And, and look, the deal is anytime right. somebody comes to me and wants to buy a franchise, I told a lady this just yesterday. I tell everybody this. I am looking at you like you're my sister and I'm only going to sell you a franchise that I believe you can, you should buy. I literally told somebody the other day, I, they were looking at IV infusion brands and I represent several of them. And there was one that I wouldn't show them. And they said, well, why aren't you showing me the third one? I said, well, I'll show you the third one, but they've sold too many. And I don't think they have a deep enough bench, deep enough team. And I rather them get 10 more open and then we'll talk about it. What about Dunkin' Donuts? Dunkin's always been a, a pretty, it's been thought of as a pretty solid franchise brand for many, many years. My problem with Dunkin', I was a Krispy Kreme guy as a franchisee, as a partner, and helped open, we did Nevada and Utah. And uh, so I was st still on a list, I guess, in the donut industry when Dunkin' called me and gave me first, first crack at the Vegas market. Because as you might or might not have known, Duncan's failed in Vegas multiple times. Duncan's failed in a lot of territory. Well, several territories, some cases more than once. How do you fail with donuts? Well, their donuts aren't that great, which is why they probably- Dude, Every donut's great. Well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know that that's the case. Although it, pink box is better. Well, yeah. <laughs> Those cronuts, they're not allowed to call them a cronut because no. someone owned that word, but it's a cronut. I, I got a cease and desist letter at pink box. From saying cronut? Yeah. Yeah. And we never did, though. I, we never I, did. No, you guys call it something else. No, we we were calling them uh, internally. We'd call them crodo or uh, we'd even say croissant donut, whatever it was. But we would never call it a cronut because I knew that they had a a, 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 a patent pending. Uh, their trademark was pending. I looked it up. Ansel, the bakery, his bakery in New York that invented them. When we opened uh, Pink Box in December uh, 2012. And there was a couple of months afterwards, lady comes in one day, we were busy. I'm working the line, Lake Mead, original Lake Mead and Buffalo store. She said, hey, you guys any, got any cronuts like that bakery in New York? And I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I didn't think anything of it. A couple of days later, somebody else came in and asked the same question. I finally went back to my head baker. I said, what the heck is a cronut? What's a cronut? And uh, we Googled it, of course, and realized that We'll figure this thing out. And we did. So you make that. Figured it out. That's where I heard of it. Pink yep. box. We, we figured it out. We were the first ones in town to have it. We definitely never called it that. Our customers would call it that on our social media, but we would never call it that. So I get the cease and desist letter from their attorney in New York. And I called her back and I, I called her. I had her number. I said, hey, just want to let you know, I can't change anything here. We serve a product that might be similar to yours, although I've never even had yours. But we do have a croissant donut on our menu. It's not even on our menu, actually, at all. It's not even listed anywhere because we can only make a couple hundred of them a day. We sell out so quickly. So why advertise something that people already knew we had and we were selling out so quickly? So I said, yeah, some people made mention of a cronut on our social media, but I can assure you it's not us. So she called me back and said, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> that was it. Well, I heard of it out of Pink Box. And I'll tell you right now, dude, those are good. Yeah. They, uh, those they, will those will cause me to jump off my diet. They definitely soak up 
some uh, some shortening for sure. So is that uh, why they're like so a, good? Like a croissant. Well, it's the buttery uh, the butteriness, just like a croissant. That's in there as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with that just, glaze or whatever else you get on it. It's unbelievable. Maple, maple yeah. cronuts yep. or whatever they're called. You guys call them something. I forget, but it didn't, I just keep calling I, them cronuts. I, I've been out of pink box several years now, so I don't know what they call them these days. So, so when you get, when you get out of places, do you just say like, you know, buy me out or you, yep. you sell your shares? That's what it was in that case. Yes. So another question, like it says here, you know, ask this is somebody telling me to ask you this, ask him how to become a millionaire. I figure you must have some funny ass answer. <laughs> no, actually it's not so funny. It, you know, it, it's all about in the franchise world because the average person cannot successfully think of all the components to create, create and launch their own business successfully and become a millionaire. It's just, there's just too many pieces to it. I, I would assume you would agree. The average person just can't do that. I, I'm the wrong one to ask. I think anyone can, they just don't. Well, I think, I think I'm like you though. I do think anybody can be a millionaire and create a business. I think everyone is a millionaire. They just have two types. You have a million excuses or you have a million dollars. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I believe that using the franchise system, anybody can become a millionaire if they choose to. Because now you're you're borrowing somebody else's system, someone that has a responsibility. Because to sell more franchises, a franchisor has to make sure you're successful. Because if you're not, number one, they now have to disclose that in their franchise disclosure document. We had a, we had a unit close. We had a franchisee. Well, why would they close? Wrong location. They weren't following the rules. Like, dude, you pop up a five guys next to a five guys. I'll bet you it freaking still succeeds. The problem is always about operations and people. There are plenty of people with money that open a franchise and think they can walk away and let somebody else run it. Now, it's true to you. You need to work through your people because you can't be there all the time, but a lot of times you're not hiring the right people to begin with. You're not training them adequately. Mm. And, and every, <laughs> the T word, every franchisor can tell you when they've had a location close, it's, it could be the wrong location, period. But you got to remember there's a difference, of course, between the retail franchises like a McDonald's or a Great Clips versus, um, you know, the home-based businesses or um, home improvement brands or whatever. There's a lot of mobile franchises as well. So, but they're closing because they're not run right, period, Brad. That's the answer. And how do you make them like run right? If it, you're not, if you're not the one that can like determine. It's the selection process. It's definitely the selection process. Of the employee? It's the selection process of the franchisee. If you're looking to be a successful franchisor, you have to have outstanding franchisees. So franchisors would tell you, just like just like my first marriage didn't work out, they've picked franchisees that didn't work out. So just bad marriage to begin with. Bad marriage to begin with. Business you, you is like any, marriage. Do you have any tips on selecting these people? Well, a lot of that has to do with the process. Most franchisors do have a pretty lengthy process of how they select. Um, it starts with that first phone call and ends with validation. Well, all the things in between are like a discovery day. Before, before a pandemic, 
every solid franchise brand would make Brad get on a plane or get in a long car ride, depending on where the franchisor is. And as one of the final steps, come visit the corporate office of Five Guys, do the tour of the Five Guys corporate office, meet the executive team, right? Yeah. And that's what would have to happen. And at some point at the corporate office, you're going to go out to dinner, you're going to go out to lunch, you're going to grab a Five Guys burger with them if you're looking at Five Guys. And they're going to go, I don't know if I like that guy, Brad. He shouldn't be a franchisee for us. Someone's going to determine that and say, and not offer you the franchise. Can they revoke it? Well, most in most cases, it's sort of revoked at Discovery Day. I could tell you stories. I got a CBD brand in Colorado Springs. A couple of very wealthy young guys show up for Discovery Day for the CBD brand. They're all gung-ho to write a check and ready to go. The founder told me the story. I went to visit him recently. You know what the founder said to me? Lance, like Lance, these yahoos were late for our first meeting at my corporate office. They were late. I said, ah, no big deal. One time, no big deal. Then we would go to meet for dinner that night. They were 45 minutes late and didn't call me until I'm sitting there 15 minutes waiting on them. They said, yeah, they called me 15 minutes into it. So we'll be another half hour. Sorry. This It's like a first date, right? Even though you've already been through or been in the process, this is the final step as part of the engagement. Well, I would imagine if I'm the buyer that I'm thinking, you'll wait. Well, that's exactly <laughs> the attitude of these guys. And guess what? They were told, thank you very much. You might as well get back on the plane because we're done. Because franchisors, great franchisors are never desperate to sell a franchise. The good ones. Because, good. because basically they're handing you a station to make money. That's exactly right. And and you asked the question about being a millionaire. There are quite a few franchise brands that I have that, you know, you can make a million dollars with one business. I mean, there's, there's fast science franchisees that are multimillionaires. And look, you asked the question earlier about why buy a franchise. Well, there's a great market when you want to exit. You can sell a franchise for four times your cash flow. Typically, you're three to five times cash flow. So if you're that that franchisee that owns some great clips that are doing really well and you have a million and a half dollar cash flow million and a half dollar cash flow and you want to go sell when you're ready even though you've made nice income for all these years you're just done six million bucks you're selling for and what was that what did you do you worked really hard for the first two years maybe and then you coasted because you worked hard i know so many people like that some, some work harder than others. But like my dad always told me, there's no such thing as, like, why, why retire? Find some, put yourself in a financial position where you can retire and don't. Yeah. It's always fun to poke, play around still. Keep doing something. Look at Warren Buffett. How long ago could he have retired? Shit. He loves what he does, and that's me as well. What is the, what is the top book you would recommend for any entrepreneur or person thinking about doing business? Jeez. Well, in, in leadership and management, I started off with the one minute manager. You like that one? One minute manager is one of my favorite books ever. And that whole series, one minute manager, you know, uh, one minute manager meets the monkey There's all these different books. But the other one is because customer service, I think has always set apart my concepts versus everybody else's. And that's why pink box launched so successfully that's why Wingstop did. That's why Krispy Kreme did. Because our customer service was always outstanding. And Ra uh, Raving Fans, that's the other book. Raving Fans. Who writes that? 
it's uh, I forgot I forgot who the author is, but it, it's on my bookshelf. Raving Fans is a book that talks about how you want to create raving fans. Those are your ambassadors. Now that book was written before the internet days. Now today you want those raving fans more than ever because now they have a place to go typing away on all these different places in all these different places of how wonderful you were or not or not and that that either builds you up or breaks you down you can get cracked on yelp pretty easy now absolutely but customer service still to this day people forget about folks never never forget your customers and the service that you give them because that might i can tell you right now I've, I've seen a lot of people get put out of business because of that this this day's barbecue and I never threaten people and I'm never coming back. You know what? They don't care, dude. You're one dude. They don't care. But what in reality, nowadays you better care because that one dude, especially if they're dicks and have social media followings in the millions and or some sort of, you know, their parents own a newspaper. Like you, you never know. Right. With social media, man, you, you better, you better take care of all your customers. You never know which ones can just blast you. That's it. And it's usually the dicks that are blasting you. The people that love it aren't usually the ones going to Yelp going, oh, it's fantastic. It's usually the dick that goes to Yelp because they're pissed. Unfortunately, and, and that's just like the nightly news. If anybody watches that anymore, it's always the negative stories. Never fireman re rescues the cat out of the tree. It's always, you know, who died or, you know, who what crashed where and, you know, how awful the pandemic is. Now, last question. If you're a franchisor... Who should you vote for? <laughs> Boy, that's the tough political question. You know, I, I I don't know the real answer to that. Trump. I can tell you this. I can tell you, I can tell you that it's quite a few business folks that I know that that look at Trump's attitude. I guess you can say that uh, being very pro, obviously pro business. That's right. And so that's the short answer. Is that Trump? I you heard it, folks. I would say it's Trump. Folks, you guys got to go follow this dude at Ion, I-O-N, Franchising on Instagram, Facebook, Lance dot Growlick. But that Growlick is almost, That's, it's yeah. G-R-A-U-L-I-C-H. That's correct. Go follow him on Facebook, Instagram. If you guys are looking to get help in the franchise business, go do that. You got to have a book coming out, don't you? I'm working on a couple. You need to do a book. Yeah, you know, you need to do a training course. Actually, absolutely. I do. But let's talk about that later. Sounds good. I appreciate you coming in. Appreciate your time, folks. As always, share this out. Keep it real. This is Dropping Bombs with The Real Bradley. Subscribe at DroppingBombs.com.